the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour, hi, Canada. And a special good morning to my friends in Detroit on FM 1400 and AM 101.5, The Patriot. We feel for you. We do. I get a lot of callers from Detroit and and the Michigan area from Western Michigan up to the UP, but primarily Detroit. And we feel for you. I was watching the game. I stayed up too late last night because I was watching the game thinking maybe they can pull off a miracle. And for those of you who didn't know, I want to give you a heads up, a spoiler alert. Um, The Lions collapsed. And there's no other way around it. They were ahead by 17 points. And the 49ers, who aren't that good. The Browns beat the 49ers. Uh, they reeled off 27 straight points. And Dan Campbell kept passing on field goal. That's the very excellent coach for the Lions. And all I could think of at one point, I put it up on X, the ghosts of the fumble in the drive entered the room and sat down at one point. I could feel their chill. Every Browns fan knows them. Those ghosts that haunt us are every waking day, the fumble in the drive. And at the end of the game, I just had to let the Lions fans know that from now until the end of time, whenever the Lions play the 49ers out in San Francisco at their stadium there, they will get a highlight reel of that game. Because every time I've gone to mile high since 89, and I think that's three times, it might be four times, I've gone to see the Browns. Because for a variety of reasons, I've been in Denver on weekends when the Browns have played. And it's it's no it's Mile High Stadium still, but it's got some fancy corporate name I don't remember. Every single time you can lay money on it, they run a ten minute clip of the drive and the fumble because those are both AFC Championship games. And yesterday's AFC Championship game. Sorry about that, friends in the Lions. But again, everything is relative. Let's get to the serious news. Iran attacked and killed three Americans yesterday. They wounded more than thirty. The number is currently thirty four. And don't go for this Iraq, Iranian-backed Iraqi militia. No, the Iranians did it. And let's just start being very, very clear about this. Iran attacked the base. Iran is the Houthis. Iran is Hamas. It's all Iran. And we haven't done anything yet. Now, earlier today, uh, my friend Kurt Schlichter posted a notice of a, a lift of, of big planes from California headed towards Europe. So that we've got, we've got a lot of assets heading that way. They're the big C-135s, I believe. We don't know what's on them. We don't know where they're going. Uh, but it's the kind of thing that would be consistent with rocking their world. And I'm all for rocking their world. I think it's time to blow up their refinery, sink their navy, and if necessary, go after their nuclear sites. Because they're not stopping. And they're not stopping because they perceive... Terrible, terrible weakness in the United States. Headline, drone strike kills three U.S. soldiers in Jordan. 
Headline, U.S. troops killed, wounded in Jordan attack, blamed on Iranian proxies. Then, Wall Street Journal, three U.S. troops killed in drone attack in Jordan. Uh, The Telegraph from Great Britain, Joe Biden blames Iran for death of U.S. troops in the drone strike. By the way, did, did you see the president make a statement about this? Of course not. The White House issued a statement. The president doesn't make statements anymore. He did give a rally in South Carolina. It was pretty it was pretty bad. And I'm not sure I want the president on camera talking about national security because he'll, he'll screw it up. He, he, he screwed up his rally in South Carolina. In fact, let, let's go down to the rally in South Carolina. Cut number 19. Did you see what he recently said about that he wants to see the economy crash this year? A sitting president. Uh, he's not a sitting he's president. Saying, Former President Trump is a former president, and that Joe Biden is the president, and he refers to someone else as the sitting president, is not indication of any kind of disability. It's just that he's getting old. He's also starting to shout more so that we don't know what he's talking about. Cut number 20. Donald Trump, when he was commander-in-chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us best like that? First of all, um, Joe is starting to lose it, right? The quick temper, the anger, the slurred words. Then how dare he talk about my son that way? Uh, Bo Biden was a fine American, great attorney general. He did serve his country in uniform. He did not die as one of the fallen in Europe in World War II. He didn't die as one of the fallen in Iraq or Afghanistan. He had brain cancer, and that was an unfortunate thing. But I think that offends the families of those who actually lost loved ones over the weekend. And we've got this coming from Joe Biden, and this is cut number 21. Folks, the bottom line is our economy has grown more in the last six months than it ever did at any point in Trump's entire four years in office. Now, I think you can be stupid and choose to believe that. Uh, we had a, uh, a decent fourth quarter, 2.7% growth over the course of the entire year. We had a recession, two negative quarters in there, and there is some rebound. But Joe Biden is lying to you about the economy, and you know that because inflation is still higher than wage growth. And you're not rolling back the $11,400 uh, for the average family of four that it costs to live in the United States more than it did when Joe Biden. No one's going to believe this stuff, but he's sticking with it. What is going to be the center point of this campaign? I think national security, and that includes the border. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot about the border. My position is this, and I want you to know. There is only one must-have in any border bill, and that is 900 miles of wall fully funded, authorized in that specific way, notwithstanding any other law or treaty with an Indian tribe or foreign nation, a law, a wall will be built and you've got to map it out. You got to lay out the specs. It's going to be this high. It's going to go this far and it's going to be built this year with appropriated money in the bill. If that's not in the immigration compromise, it's dead, 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 dead. And it's a replay. Last night I posted over at X the 2013 postmortem. That's when Senator Rubio and Senator Cornyn, two guys I have great deal of respect for, led the doomed attempt to try and get an immigration compromise. 
at the last minute, they stuck in some border barriers because they realized, you know, the Republicans want one thing, which is the wall. Everything else is nice. Some of it's necessary, but we want the wall. This time they've stuck Senator Langford and Senator Tillis. Again, two good guys, just like Cornyn and Rubio. And they told him to go off and negotiate with the Democrats, and they're standing there in a barrel. And there's no nicer man, no smarter guy than Lankford. He's the equal of anyone in the Senate. And Tom Tillis was a, was a really good guy during the collapse of Afghanistan. He stayed there. He worked around the clock to get American troops out, American citizens out, green card holders out, SIV eligible people out. Really a good senator from North Carolina. They've gotten hornswoggled. And we haven't got the bill yet because they're afraid to show us the bill. And it's going to collapse. It's not going to, it's not going to pass the House. I don't know that it'll get out of the Senate. But Jim Langford went on uh, Fox News yesterday. And until and unless, I'll play it after the break, until and unless we have the bill text, I can't really contradict them with certainty. But I'm told by people who know there is no wall in the bill. If there is no wall in the bill, there is no bill. And you can talk to me for about a thousand years about all the other great things you're doing, how many return flights you're having and how many Border Patrol people you're having. And I don't know if it's true that the cutoff is, oh, we're going to shut the border down any day. We have more than 5,000 people cross it. That doesn't make any sense to me at all, because if you have one person cross it, it's a bad idea. But we're going to talk about that and hear what he had to say. If you're serious, Senator, release the text of the bill, because... When you're hiding the bill, everybody believes it's a terrible bill. I believe it's a terrible bill. Everyone I know is involved in it thinks it's a terrible bill. You might find 10 Republicans who, for whatever reason, want to send it to the House so it gets beat by the Senate. It's a dumb thing to do. It should not proceed. It is a very bad bill. It does not have the wall. It does not increase border security. It's nibbling around the edges. It is a bad response to a terrible situation and you don't even need a bill. Donald Trump said this, by the way, and I want I want to play this for you. Cut number nine. No idea who they are. The fact is that if Joe Biden truly wanted to secure the border, he doesn't really need a bill. I didn't need a bill. I did it without a bill. I did it with the current laws. I used Border Patrol. I didn't have a bill. I didn't need lots of different things. That, that was the former president on Saturday in Nevada. And so... It's true. We've had 8 million people walk across the border under Joe Biden's three years. That did not happen under President Trump because he used the the authorities he had. Joe Biden isn't doing anything. And what the Republicans are doing is giving Joe Biden a fig leaf for not doing anything. And they should stop and announce that it's dead, dead, dead because the wall is a non-starter with the Democrats. And unless there's a wall, there's no bill. Now, what I want to do is tell you what I posted yesterday. Because I like Jim Lankford and Tom Tillis a lot. They are the two senators who've been sent on senators who've been sent on the mission of doom. So I posted this yesterday on X. It is a given that Senator Lankford is the equal of anyone in the Senate in terms of character and smarts. But there is no worse bill than a border security bill without 900 miles of the wall, fully authorized and funded, no tricks, no delays, period. This view about negotiations on the wall has nothing to do with former President Trump and long predates the former President Trump's entry into politics. That no one will discuss the wall does nothing to diminish its centrality to the battle ahead. If the, quote, compromise has the right language, Ray, the wall, I'll support it, as will most of the GOP. 
I think a bill with the wall would pass the House, too. But if the bill doesn't have the 900 miles of wall, and it doesn't, according to everyone I've spoken to with knowledge of the negotiation, that bill is doomed. The only must-have that the Senate GOP needed to insist upon from the beginning isn't there. So the bill won't be defensible, and it will fail in the House. It's not complicated. That's the reality. Perhaps the negotiators will go back to the drawing board and start over, but I doubt it. The wall is the only must-have. There are two can't-haves. No amnesty and no path to citizenship. Again, not news to anyone who's been through the debates on immigration reform since the last millennium. It goes on. It's over at X. I encourage you to go there. Senator Rick Scott of Florida is next, talking about the non-reform immigration bill on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Rick Scott has been the senator from Florida for a long time. Before that, he was the governor of Florida for a long time. Before that, he was a very successful businessman. Good morning, Senator Scott. Welcome back to the program. Good morning, Senator, have you seen the immigration bill that is working its way through the negotiation process? Look, I don't get it. I mean, I'm a business guy, right? Number one is you can't negotiate with people that have a totally different approach. I mean, the Democrats and Biden want an open border. And number two is we took off the – my understanding is we took off the table. One thing that I think is the most important thing is – do something that makes Biden enforce the law. He's lawless. And we don't want, you know, whatever reason, they're not, they're not even trying to tie Ukraine aid to the number of people who come across the border coming down. So the border needs to be secure today, not next year, not five years from now, today. But ha- have you seen the actual draft legislation yet, Senator? No, I haven't seen. And by, by the way, when I did deals, Everybody that worked with me, I showed them a copy of the contract so I could get their comments. We, this has been going on for months. I've never seen it. And look, and, you know, is that fair to the people that live in my state that they don't even get to look at this? This is what's wrong with D.C. We, we get these behind closed doors. You know, we you know, leadership or no, negotiates these deals and then they cram it down our throat and say, oh, you got to vote for it. You got to vote for it or, you know. Something bad's going to happen. No, we don't. Let's take our time and let's actually let's actually everybody get their input in. Here's what I tell people: if I can't talk people in, up here into my ideas, that's my problem. If I don't even have a shot at doing it, that's leadership's problem. Now, Senator, I believe a necessary but not sufficient step. The first step is the construction authorization, notwithstanding any other law and funding appropriated construction of 900 miles of border wall that is maintained, that is long, strong, and high. So what Donald Trump started to do, I think he got 528 miles of it done, uh, but it's got to be 900 miles. To your understanding, is there any wall in the bill, and if so, how much? None. None. And by the way, by the way, there was money in to build a wall when Biden took, took office. He sold off the steel. I know. So let's say it's even in there. Right. I haven't seen the bill. Have you? No. no. So if it's in there, who's to say he's going to do it? He sold off the steel. Who says he's not going to say, oh, you know what? I've got an emergency. I'm going to take that and fly more more illegal immigrants uh, to, you know, some some someplace else. I mean, but it is possible. Lawless. Biden's lawless. I know he is lawless, but it is possible to write a bill that mandates the construction of the wall before anything else happens. It's possible to do that. We've never tried it, 
you, you remember 2013, or maybe you don't, and Marco Rubio and John Cornyn yep. tried this. Unless there's a wall, Republicans will not support this, and it will not get through the House. Do people not understand that in the conference? Oh, well, yeah, there's a lot of us that do, right? But that's not what this is, not what's being negotiated. And by the way, we control the House. Mike Johnson's the speaker. Where is he? He has said, this is dead on arrival. Why aren't you, why why would we vote for anything that Mike Johnson doesn't support? It's not going to pass the House. Why would we do that? Let's, let's say this is our standard. We want to get something done. Let's do get, let's, let's, let's do this. The standard has to be secure the border today. Force Biden to do his job. Now, the uh, I got a couple of questions about the border, but I want to put an underline under this and because I'm going to push it out. Will a bill without the wall pass the United States Congress? No. OK, that, that's I agree. No way. I think it's crazy. It's not going to unless they build the wall, it's not going to pass. So it's all wasted effort. Do you talk about this in the conference that the wall is the number one must have thing for the Republican Party? Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, we talked about the fact that we have a, a lawless administration, so we have to tie something they want, okay, to the numbers of people coming across the border saying coming down. We have to do that. It's the only way you get somebody that wants to do the opposite of what you want them to do, to do. That's it. And, and by the way, that's not in the bill. That's not, we've been told that will not be in the bill. Well, then it's just, it's not, I don't understand what's going on here. Why? How did this get started? What is the explanation? You know, I... I like people. Uh, the last time I saw you in person, we were doing a, an event for the NRSC and Jim Lankford was there. And I think Jim is the nicest guy in the United States Senate, the, the character equal of anyone else. I like Tom Tillis a lot. I'm not sure how these guys got themselves into this hole. What happened? Well, first off, Lankford's not just nice. He's smart. He's hardworking. He knows the issue. But, he, he, you know, number two things. One, he's negotiating with somebody that wants the opposite goal. Right. You can't get a deal done. Okay, I never got to deal with them in business when they have different goals. Number two is leadership told them that you cannot have, you cannot tie uh, Ukraine aid to the numbers coming down. Okay, if you if those are the two things you start with, there is no deal here. Well, I, I could could did, does leadership accept the wall? I mean, if I don't, I think the numbers will come down the moment the wall. I, I'm not even focused on the numbers. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, focused I, on I, the I mean, wall. Look, what Texas is doing right now. I imagine the numbers where, the, where that razor wire is up is coming down. The, and that's why the reason the first thing people do when they're serious is put up barriers, whether it's razor wire or it's wall. The first thing you do if you're serious is put up barriers. It doesn't work 100 percent, but it slows people down. I'm just curious because I'm never in the room. I talk to a bunch of senators. I talk to people on the air and off the air. Does anyone ever talk about why we don't talk about the wall? Are we afraid of it? I'm not. Um, but I mean, it's. it's you know, it's, I'm not there, so who knows? Hugh, if you're not, like, oh, here's what I don't get. We all should be in the room. We're all U.S. senators. We ought to be on the floor fighting over this. And we ought to be doing amendment votes, and we ought to say, I believe in this. And if I can't get 60 people to go with me, I don't get it. Yeah, and, and so, H.R. 2 is over there, right? The House passed, a, they could take okay, up yeah, and amend that bill. Down. Yeah, the Democrats, I mean, the Democrats all voted against it. They don't uh, did, want look. They don't want border security. How are we going to do a deal with somebody that they don't want what we want? You cannot do that. It's it's impossible. 
Do um, do your colleagues recognize that the optics of this are terrible? It appears as though, well, they're setting us up to take the fall for Biden's failure. That's what makes me crazy, is that there's right. a total failure. Oh, Donald Trump that's, fixed absolutely. it. But I, that's why I think you need to be. That's why I'm, I'm going to be vocal on this. I think you need to be clear. You need to say this is what this is what we expect. You know what we have we had you know we've had a couple of conference meetings that Ron Johnson has led uh, one on the border, one on Ukraine, and at the end of the meetings, guess what? We should have a plan. We don't. I would I would we like to say, begin you know with what? at we, least let's fight for hours and come up with a Republican plan. I, I agree, but I would like to begin with numbers as well. Is there even a data set on how many people have crossed the border either? Officially, meaning they had an encounter with a border patrol or a port of entry or unofficially. Do we know the numbers? Because you can't find them anywhere. The estimate is over nine million people have crossed illegally. We don't know how many um, have, have crossed. Um, we, I mean, we get these numbers on a monthly basis now. Um, the, but, but guess what? I don't trust anything the Biden administration puts out. Everything they do is mas- they massage it all. So, you know, there's it's it's you know, it's something like one point seven million people that they think are gotaways. Over nine million people have come across. We don't know how many people have been released. Uh, I mean, we you know, we we forced them to tell us how many people they released in the, in the interior from Afghanistan that weren't even U.S. citizens or people with special visas. But they did that in a classified setting. It's over 70,000 because it wasn't a number is, is, is classified. They don't want you to know. Uh, you know, there were more than 25,000 Chinese nationals who crossed the border in fiscal year 23. Does that alarm you? Because not anyone gets out of China easily. Absolutely. By the, by the way, China China is our enemy. They Not our choice, their choice. I mean, Russia, their choice, not our choice. Iran, North Korea. Let's, let's wake up. We've got terrorists come across. And by the way, I got a, we got a briefing the other day. They couldn't tell us. What's happened? They, they told us how many terrorists came, but they couldn't tell us what happened to them. They couldn't tell us if they got deported. They couldn't tell us if they're in prison. They couldn't, they couldn't tell us anything. Wait, I, I was How under the impression if you arrested... The border. I was under the impression if someone was on the terrorist watch list and they were encountered that they were detained. Am I wrong? They were, they were detained. They were turned over to ICE. But when we ask, what did ICE do with them? They don't know. Boy, this is a mess. I mean, okay. Senator, you ran business for a long time. This is not that hard of a problem. You build a wall, you build a bunch of detention right. facilities. People come what across without permission. They yeah. go into the facility until they're adjudicated, then they're sent home, right? What do we do in prisons? We build walls. Uh, uh, so, Senator, how hot do these meetings get when the Republicans talk about this? Well, I, th- I think I think the pos- here's the positive. I mean, the the positive is we're having real conversations now. And people are saying, this doesn't make any sense. And then, then they say, well, we're working on the text. We'll get you the text. Then what we're worried about is they're going to give us a text. And then five minutes later, say, now you have to vote. But the text, but we know the it. text does not have the wall. Because, because if I can drive home one thing with the audience, it does not have any border barrier in it, a serious border barrier. And unless and until it does, it cannot pass. And Hugh, even if it had in there. Biden's not going to build it. He had to well, build you can. He sold off the steel. I, I know he did that once, but you can you can write a bill in a way that it would oblige the president because you would 
you would make funding for Ukraine or Israel or Taiwan, right. the, the release of it contingent upon the completion right. of the wall, right? Right. You've got to make it. You've got to make it where a lawless president says, "Well, I want that the Ukraine money, so okay, I'll build the wall." Because he doesn't want to build it. We know he doesn't want to build it. We know that he, you know, he'll just if he has to. I mean, Mayorkas, these guys, they they don't comply with the law. I, mean, I agree. And, and Senator Scott, that would be I'd be behind a bill that said, hey, I want to fund Ukraine anyway. But if he wants uh, a few billion dollars for Ukraine, all you have to do finish the wall, we'll release the money for Ukraine. Isn't that straightforward? Is, that could work, right? Absolutely. Then why aren't we asking Are for it? If we're going to help them. Why don't we have a real conversation about what weapons should they have? What's what's the plan? I mean, this idea that we have, you know, we they can't tell us exactly what weapons we're going to give them and and why we're giving them the ones we're doing, why we're holding back the ones we have. We asked somebody the other day, why don't we give them some longer range? Well, we're thinking about it. Well, they're they're a mess on that, too. Two years. Let me conclude this way. Has there been any attempt to open up the negotiations to a critic of the negotiations or at least an advocate of the wall? No, no. All right, that's a failure then. Senator Scott, I appreciate it. Please keep coming back. Rick Scott's going to be easily reelected in Florida. He's up for reelection this year. Going to easily win. Going to romp because he's a great senator and a great American. Thank you, Senator Scott. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I'll be right back. I do not know what's going on in the Republican conference. It mystifies me. Stay tuned. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Jim Garrity of National Review joins me. He's also a contributing columnist of the Washington Post. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Hugh, I'm, I'm as excited for the Super Bowl, but I understand you're in, in a state of disgruntlement and we can dive right into immigration politics. Well, I, I'm, I'm actually we are going to absorb two minutes of silence for the Lions after the show, because that had a very much fumble and drive vibe about it. I don't know if the Jets have ever lost a championship AFC game like that. Have you ever collapsed that badly? Uh, the, the Pittsburgh one, they got off to a terrible start and had to fight their way back. So it's a different kind of loss. Um, fell apart very quickly in the second half against Denver. That was back in 98. Um, they were ahead against Peyton Manning against the Colts back in 2009. Nothing quite like that. Nothing where yeah. like it fell apart that Quickly. And what I put on one. X last night and was the ghost of the fumble in the drive entered the room and they sat down about the, midway through the third quarter. Those two ghosts came into the room and I said the Lions are doomed. Did you have the same feeling? No, uh, we had people over to watch the first game and like the first half of the second game. And it's a school night. Kids have to start getting to, you know, 
getting to bed. But everybody's like, oh, wow, we're going to have a, a Kansas City-Detroit Super Bowl. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be Eminem versus Taylor Swift. Uh, it's going to be, you know, the ultimate underdog, the new America's team against the, you know, the league conglomerate megalopolis. I don't believe the NFL is scripted. I do believe that Roger Goodell was reacting like Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally when it was clear the Chiefs were going to go back to the Super Bowl again and that all the Taylor mania was going to continue through Super Bowl week, etc. And he um, wanted the 49ers. The league- he did not want the Lions. Yeah. He did not want the Lions. And, and that's because the Lions have to live in NFL hell because somebody's got to be there and the Browns and the Lions are in NFL hell. The Jets are sort of in NFL hell, but you've been to the Super Bowl. You've won the Super Bowl. Yeah, we, we altered league history by winning Super Bowl three. No, we, we had good years from 97 to 2010, and then it's been a long drought since then. All right. Well, you're not as long as mine. We're dead, the Browns fan. Let me go now to, to, to what Rick Scott just right. told me. Senator Rick Scott just told me that there is no wall in the immigration bill. None. Zero zip. I believe that means it's dead on arrival because we've seen this play before. I mean, I've done this three times. What do you think, Jim Garrity? Okay, so yes, without if you'd said there's border funding, but there might not border, you know, fencing, but there's might not be as much as some people wanted. Maybe this had a shot. Maybe you could negotiate over that and bump it up a little. Uh, Having none like Hugh, what's in this for the folks who want to secure a border? What's the upside? Uh, I am told the upside are more return flights. Okay, I've been told, oh, we're going to we're going to turn a lot of pe- these people around on airplanes real quick. More detention facilities and more to bo- more border police. I don't think that's enough. Yeah. Work permits still in there? Don't know, but I don't I, care because if there's no wall. Uh, yeah, I start with the wall. If there's yeah, no wall, right. it's not it's not going to work for me. Because for whatever reason so, Democrats well, have a fetish about it. Late Bush years. Right. You and I have been around this for a long time. I was appearing on your show way back then. And there was a proposal at one point because they wanted to have a path to citizenship, path to legalization. And they were talking about income taxes and the fact that certain people who were in the country illegally had been working and making money and earning wages for a long time. But they had never paid income taxes. And one of the proposals they had put forth was that they wanted those who were in the country illegally to pay back taxes on three of the past five years that they've been working in the United States. And people pointed out, if you're an American citizen, you have to pay taxes on five of the past five years that you've been like, wait, why are we, wait, you entered the country illegally. You broke the law. Why are we giving you a better deal? And why are we giving you a path to citizenship? I've always believed if you enter the country illegally, you might be able to stay. In fact, I'm kind of a squish on this. I'm a rhino on letting people stay. And, and my buddy Levin calls me a rhino. And one of the reasons I'm a big regularization guy. But you don't get to be a citizen if you enter the country le- illegally in Hugh Hewitt's Correct. world. That, that is the holy grail. That is the biggest prize. And we should reserve this for the best people. Like the, today's entire morning jolt just goes through the entire concept of, first of all, I go through all the, the Customs and Border Protection numbers on the number of people they've caught who have criminal records and the number, you know, we sort out the drug offenses from uh, violent crimes, sexual assault, DUIs, and in some cases, homicide and, and you, know, uh, you know, attempted homicide. Um, then I talk about the people on the terrorist watch list. If you want to say, oh, it's a very small minority. OK, yeah, but 19 guys with box cutters put this country through hell. 
So I really want that number of people we're catching at the border, either at ports of entry or in between ports of entry. I want that number to be as close to zero as possible. Yeah, I, I talked to a former national security official uh, over the weekend. Twenty five thousand Chinese nationals entered the United States over the southern border that we know about last year. This person pointed out to me, you don't get to leave China without permission. Nobody yep. kind of skips out. They were sent. Not not necessarily for malicious. They they might just let him go. But doesn't that alarm you, Jim? Oh, absolutely. Like all of so I went through. Um, so last year I was speaking at Freedom Fest at Memphis, and we the the, uh, the it was a mock trial, open borders on trial. I regret that I did not win the the argument. I was the restrictionist side. It's a libertarian crowd, Hugh. What oh, first boy. problem is that you say drug dealers are coming across the border. Well, the libertarian crowd, drug dealers are some of their best friends. And you say, well, okay, well, gun runners are coming. No, illegal gun dealers are some of their best friends, too. So it was a very tough crowd. But I went through this, and my, my entire basic concept was why do you need to have a border? Why do we need to have an ability to screen people who come into this country? And the short answer is there are good people who want to come into this country, people who would make good Americans. And there are bad people who want to come into this country. And until you can sort them out, you are endangering the liberties of American people. And unfortunately, the libertarian jury was not convinced. Right, let me ask you about the wall, because I have some there are some conservatives who don't believe it's effective. I believe it's not 100 uh, percent uh, fixed, but that it slows people yeah. down and it makes it easier for the Border Patrol to do its job. And more importantly, it is symbolic. It is the. Uh, external expression of an internal resolve to control your border. What do you believe about the wall, Jim? Do you think it's a necessary thing? Accurate. I keep going back to testimony from 2017 from Brandon Judd, who's the head of the uh, Union for for, uh, Customs and Border Protection, all retired guys who are very straightforward about this. And they keep saying, we don't need, there's 2,000 miles on the southern border. We don't need the Great Wall of China. We don't need... Absolutely. From, from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean. They wanted, I believe it was 300 more miles of personal fencing, and they wanted to reinforce certain amount of fencing that was, fencing that was uh, in place. Uh, as you know, we made some progress on this during the Trump years, but really, mostly it was replacing the old stuff, which was a good step. It was a necessary step, but it was not anywhere near sufficient. And he says, when you put up the fencing, what you do is you put them into a smaller area uh, in between the fences, and that's where the Customs and Border Protection vehicles go back and forth. And that's where they catch them. And he's saying it's not, you know, it's not going to be a perfect solution, but it's going to make things a lot easier. And I ran the numbers. You could get the fencing that he wants for $2.7 billion. All right. The government spent three, more than $3 billion on office furniture during the pandemic. Nancy Pelosi just got $3 billion for a high-speed rail somewhere out by Bakersfield. You can find $3 billion in the budget, like behind the couch cushions in, this, in the, the U.S. government right now. And the so, idea, so here's oh, my no, dilemma. No. It's not that expensive. Right. The, the grand total is not the, the biggest wall that anyone wants is 900 miles long. That's the biggest. The smallest is 600. I want to go for the biggest, 900. And I want it to be tall and I want it to be un, unbroken by Indian Treaty lands. So you got to do overrides. If it only costs $5 billion and it's only 900 miles, why wouldn't the Democrats give that to us? Uh, because I think, when you talk about that internal resolve, yeah. I think that actually there's great symbolism in this argument. And after having demonized Trump and the wall for the entirety of, I'm going to say Trump's first term, with the implication of the possibility of a second term, although I got to tell you, I, actually, maybe I do, 
I, I listen to my colleagues, Andy McCarthy, and he makes this very good point that right now we, the Republicans are negotiating against the status quo in which all of this is illegal, in which none of this stuff is supposed to be permitted in the first place. And now they're, you know, but I don't like the I, this talk that we can wait until Trump is president in January 2025 and get a better deal because Trump might not win. Oh, no, I, I'm, I am for asking for the right deal. Jim, can you hang around for a second? Because yeah. I want to talk to you about the attack on Americans. Don't go anywhere. Andy McCarthy is exactly right on this. We do not need this law, this this new compromise, in any way, shape, or form for President uh, Biden to enforce the border. We need President Biden to enforce the border. It's a giant trick. It's a trap. I feel like that guy in Star Wars. It's a trap. Jim Garrity will be right back. Don't go anywhere, America. Stay tuned. I'm Hugh Hewitt. We're going to talk about what do we do about Iran killing three Americans, wounding 30 yesterday. Garrity will tell us what he thinks when we return. Stay tuned. Folks, America's colleges and universities today are less concerned with critical thinking than with indoctrination. No wonder that so many young Americans embrace cancel culture, deny free speech to conservatives, and celebrate, actually celebrate terrorism. But I'm happy to report there is a college where students debate ideas openly and honestly, where they pursue truth together with their professors, and where America's great heritage of liberty is studied and revered. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. You can learn more at Q4Hillsdale.com. That's Q4Hillsdale.com. Welcome back, America. Jim Garrity is my guest on The Hugh Hewitt Show. Jim, yesterday, three American soldiers were killed. Thirty-four were seriously wounded in an attack by Iran and Iranian-backed militias in and near our base in Jordan and Syria. What should the United States do? If I were if under President Garrity, I would be asking the Pentagon, the intelligence community, the entire National Security Council, how many ways can we hurt the Iranian mullahs? And how many ways can we do all of them all simultaneously? Can we squeeze them, not just military? I don't want to just, you know, uh, Operation Sapphire and expose their spies. I want to hurt them in as many different ways as possible simultaneously so that they not only are like, oh, wow, they bombed this site or something like that. I don't want a proportional response. I want a wildly disproportionate response. I want them to turn the lights on, to, to flick the light switches in Tehran and nothing's working anymore. I want cyber attacks. I want infrastructure attacks. I want them to wake up, to pick up the telephone and say, this is President Garrity. Don't mess with our people. We are going to make you pay in ways you could never imagine. And I want this to recognize that we've been at a de facto state with the Iranians since 1979. We, we've been, you know, the idea, oh, we can sit down with these guys and hammer out a deal on nuclear weapons has always been absurd. So there are three the, targets. Like, the set. entire process. There are three. Yeah. One of the refineries, yeah. because if you bring the refineries down, the people of Iran are out of gas. Second, there are nuclear facilities, which we don't want them to operate anyway. And third, they have a Navy, and we can sink it. All of them or any of them? Yeah. Uh, we can expose their operatives overseas. Like there, there's, a whole, there's a whole menu of options. The question is we've never had the nerve to do it. And the, what we see from Biden in every strike against U.S. targets going back over the last couple of months, and strikes in the Red Sea against U.S. ships and Navy ships, et cetera, is very similar to his approach going back to dealing with Putin in the invasion of Ukraine. Biden is most terrified of ever doing anything that could be perceived as escalatory and keeps emphasizing that everything we're going to do is proportional. Well, if you announce to the world everything you're going to do is proportional, then the enemy gets to decide how big this fight gets. And they get I to hope because they know. Well, we're, we're gonna, I hope right? we are disproportional. We might be, in which case I'll exactly. compliment. That's the whole him. point is that like, 
you have to hit them much harder to discourage them from throwing that second punch. Yes. Otherwise, you just end up with this perfectly proportional back and forth ping pong. You know, they love this. Like what we can see this. Why can Biden not see this? I, I don't know. Let me play a little Joe Biden from you for you from a South Carolina rally. Uh, this on Saturday. Cut number 20. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us just like that? All right. So there's a lot of things to unpack here. Uh, that account is disputed. But I don't know what Hunter, I don't know what Bob Biden has to do with it. And I'm not sure why it's relevant now. But I do think the president is losing his grip. What do you think? Uh, it's an old movie, Hugh. Old Yeller. Um, I So Hugh... Uh, Joe Biden has many times referred to Bo Biden as dying either in Iraq or Afghanistan. He died of brain cancer. Joe Biden adamantly believes that the burn pits gave Bo Biden uh, brain cancer. My understanding is that medically there's no reason to conclude that. Brain ca- we, we don't know why brain cancer takes root. We know that burn pits can be very bad for you. And I know some folks who served over there who had serious lung issues. And like, no one, you know, burn pits are bad, but no one's drawn a medical tie between the burn pits that Bo Biden was around over in, I believe it was Iraq. It was not Afghanistan, right? Correct. Biden has said, my son died in Afghanistan many times, and it's really. I, 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 he's made that connection. And I think, look, you and I are both fathers. You lose a child. I, I can only imagine the pain, the horror, everything you go through. I think Joe Biden has decided as a way of, of dealing with that pain of believing that his son effectively died because of his uh, because of what he did in Iraq. And he sees him as being a, a casualty of that war. And yeah, he speaks I- about his. But do you think he's losing it? Because I think the former I think the current president has an anger management problem and has an 80 year old's problem with emotional control. What do you think? 30 seconds. That's that's been abundantly clear and nothing's getting easier, going to get any easier from here on out. Jim Garrity, good to talk to you. Follow him on X at Jim Garrity. Read his morning Joel at National Review. See him in the Washington Post. See him here next week. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm Hugh Hugh. I want to remind everyone, a great sponsor of the program is MyPhDWeightLoss.com. Generalissimo went on that program more than a year ago, lost 50 pounds. He's kept it off. And uh, stress eating is not allowed, I don't believe, even though we're under a lot of... Uh, sure uh, tempted uh, to this week, aren't we? Uh, everybody is. I, but, but we don't... They, I'm sure they give you tricks of the trade to combat that because that's one of the habits. You broke that habit. You're not going by Del Taco or Taco no. Bell. Have not. No. You haven't relapsed. Have not relapsed. And um, that is a, and it's healthy, it's wise, it's yes. productive. 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. 
Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, America's correspondent, Selena Zito. She does the Yinzer Report with me every Monday from Pittsburgh. Good morning, Selena. How are you? Good morning, Sunshine. How are you? I'm always good on a Monday, except, except the Republicans are committing political suicide. And Selena, this isn't about any particular column, but you've covered Republican Party and conservative politics forever. How important is it to the Republicans in any immigration bill that a wall be built on the southern border? I mean, that's sort of the thing that torpedoed Trump ahead of the uh, primary in 2015 slash 2016 when he said, you know, build a wall. And, and, and that very simple statement resonates with people. You just think about your own lives. You, you, you want to protect your property, you build a fence, you build a wall, whatever the case may be. It, it might be metaphoric, but people understand and know the importance of that kind of deterrent. So, yeah, it's very important to the to the um, average American. And, and there's Democrats that that are, are, you know, not opposed to that as well. Think about my own U.S. Senator John Fetterman. You know, that that is also something that he's, you know, if anybody read the, my Wall Street Journal interview with him uh, a week, a week and a half ago, you know, he said it, it's it's just common sense. I didn't you know just, that Fetterman had come out for the wall. I know he's been very strong on Israel. Did he actually endorse the wall? He's been very he's been very, very strong on the border. I, I highly encourage you to read that interview I did with him um, in the Wall Street Journal. Now, in what's which, interesting, when you, when know, you say strong on the border, uh, I, I am very strong on the wall. The border actually includes the wall, number of border patrol, number of beds and detention centers, number of, there are a lot of different metrics, but there's only one wall. Right. Did, did you talk specifically right. about the wall with him? We no, we did not. However, it is clear that he is open to deterrence, and he's open to sending a um, a signal. I mean, he said you cannot let the size of the city of Pittsburgh just walk across the border. It just can't do that. That's illogical to me. And so, where we're going to run into problems with our friends in the Republican Senate is they're going to say the walls don't work. The walls aren't the most important thing. We need return flights and detention centers. I, I actually, I don't know where they get this from. It's as though they ignore everybody I've talked to for 20 years. It begins with the wall. And I, I just want, if that's not true, if you have a different message, tell them, Selena. But I do believe, and Jim Langford listens to this program, they're just wrong. They don't understand how important it is to the Republican voter. So I'm not super familiar with what's going on in that bill, but are you saying there's there's no um, funding, no anything for for a wall? There's no you know 
As of a week ago, there wasn't. Uh, There is enough pushback that they might put something in. But if you remember 2013 at the end, they stuck in a few hundred miles of so-called barrier, which could be speed bumps, right? Not the wall. Uh, As of last week, there was no... Niner, there wasn't the wall that Trump wants. What we what we all want, which is you know fifteen feet high, and wire on the top, and border patrol on the other side of it patrolling it. It's not that hard, but it's not in there. That's peculiar to me, it, it, especially given the visuals that we see every day coming across the border. People are not deterred because there's not anything physically barring them from coming in. And, and it, 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 you know, it, you're not just a Republican when that disturbs you. It's all Americans are, are disturbed by that. And if you look at the exit polls and entrance polls into the last two primary states around Republicans and Democrats and independents, it is the number one concern. But so why do you think Democrats, mixed- because what, what I expect to hear from the Republican negotiators is that Democrats said no to the wall. Why do you think Democrats say no to the wall? I have no idea. I This is like the great mystery in my life. I've asked all my Democrat strategist friends, the ones that are you know grounded and normal, and they can't figure it out either. So if you have that answer, that'd be great to know. Well, I have my suspicion that the hard left uh, believes it's a, a symbol of oppression, that the whole oppressor-oppressed deal kicks in here and that these are these are very desperate people. I have great sympathy for them. Christians are obliged to take care of them when they're in the country. But my gosh, we've got to send up a signal, Selena. You gotta put on the, the clothes sign. Well you put made a very important point. You said that the Democrats are beholden to the hard left. I think that the American people, if you just sit down and talk with them and if you just more importantly listen to them They are super, super aggravated, frustrated, and tired of people listening listening to the hard left or the hard right. They just want problems, um, the solutions to problems handled, and and they're not getting that from their elected officials, and the dissatisfaction is at a peak. And they do not speak clearly about things like the wall. And until they do, they're going to lose. They're going to hemorrhage support. Selena Zito, good to talk to you. Everything Selena Zito can be found at selenazito.com. Follow her on X at Zito. Welcome back, America. Author, columnist, extraordinaire, commentator on almost everything. Bethany Mandel joins me. Good morning, Bethany. Good Monday to you. Good morning. I would like to know, I do not know the answer to this question. What is your opinion of the efficacy of building the Trump border wall? Ooh, I mean, I, I don't, I have, speaking of like, I, I have an opinion on everything. I don't have much of an opinion on that because I, I don't feel like I, I have the, I have the qualifications. I, it seems like a no brainer to have a border there to actually enforce our, our border, something that we're not doing. Um, and if that, is in the form of a physical wall. I'm not sure what the alternative is because what we have currently is porous. I used to cross the U.S.-Mexico border fairly frequently because my church helped an orphanage in Tijuana and we go back and forth at least annually. And there is a wall and it takes forever to get through the line. It's a big pain in the neck, but there's a wall and there are border patrol agents. And it's just, to me, the most obvious thing in the world. And it's not in the bill. And so the bill is dying 
and Jim Langford is a really good guy is out there trying to save it. But if it seems like your common sense is my common sense, if you're if you don't have a border wall, there's no border. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we currently don't have a border. The videos that we're seeing of people just running through are honestly terrifying. I don't know if you saw the video of a man who walked through and just, you know, skirted right through and said uh, in a Middle Eastern accent, you don't know who I am, but soon you will. And he just kept on walking right into America. I think that people think that they the immigration issue is one of like sort of traditional. We need to respect our borders, whatever. But we are facing a real serious existential threat coming out of the Middle East. And we currently have a border where people can just come in whenever they want, however they want. And um, there's probably some really scary characters making their way through that border. Yeah, it's a funny thing about America. We can hold in our mind the picture of the cartel and of the cartels. And we know they're bad and they're depicted in fiction as very bad on TV. And we know they exist. But somehow we don't connect them with the Iranians and terrorists and they're working together. Uh, it's, it's like we just don't believe yeah. they do it. But we just saw what the fanatics want to do in Israel. Right. Do you think they want to do that in the United yeah. States as well? Yeah, absolutely. Hamas's problem is not just Israel's problem. That's that's the basis of the argument for sending aid over in the form of military aid, everything, because defeating Hamas in Israel helps us here domestically. I think that we've gotten off pretty lucky when it comes to Middle Eastern terrorism. But I think that luck is running out, if I'm just being frank. I I agree with you. And I think the wall is part of the problem that there isn't one. Let me ask you about the NBC News report that the Biden administration is threatening to withhold weapons to Israel. It's been denied by the Biden White House, but it was obviously leaked to NBC. I think Team Biden is undercutting Israel right now. What do you think, Bethany Mandel? I think that the Biden administration does not have control over its team. I think that there are some individuals who are like sort of John Fetterman Democrats who are very strong, pro-Israel, unapologetic. And I think that that is Biden himself. But I think that he has surrounded himself with millennial staffers who are far less sympathetic to the Jewish state and who basically have marinated and been educated by anti-Semites their entire upbringing from elementary school all the way through college. And they're they're facing sort of warring factions within the the Biden administration. So, you know, people who are leaking this to NBC, I'm not sure who they are, um, but I think that they're probably part of that millennial faction of the Biden administration who are trying to undercut his Israel policies. And now talk to me about whether you're uneasy with the report of negotiations advancing towards a two month ceasefire and the release of 100 of the 138 remaining hostages. I am. I think it sounds bad, but it's not my country. What do you think? Not your country either. But what do you I mean, think? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that I mean. It's hard because I know a lot of these families personally, and a lot of these families want to do absolutely anything that is in Israel's power to bring their families home. And it's totally understandable. The things that their families are being subjected to are are unfathomably awful. Um, That said, when the Gilad Shalit, Gilad Shalit was an Israeli soldier who was kept for five years. And when they finally negotiated his release, they exchanged him for a thousand Palestinian prisoners criminals, terrorists. And a lot of those released terrorists went on to commit to October 7th. And so I think that, you know, as policymakers in Israel make this decision, they have to consider the fact that 
a lot of these individuals that they may release and the pause that they might institute will breed more terror. And so this is this is a calculus that they're going to have to make. And I'm very glad I don't have to make it because it's it's a Sophie's choice. It is a Sophie's choice. Do you think Israel is accomplishing its objectives, Bethany, from everything you've talked to and, and read about it? I, I think so. I mean, I think that they are accomplishing a lot with Hamas. I, they've killed more than half of their their terrorist fighters. But Hamas isn't just terrorists on an individual level. Level it is a philosophy. It is an ideology, and it is so deeply ingrained in Palestinian society. I don't know what winning the war looks like when it when the state objective is defeat Hamas because it's an ideology and it's permeated through Palestinian society. You know, I read this morning they've only destroyed 20% of the tunnel network. So it seems to me they're one-fifth of the way there. A lot, a lot of work to do for Israel. I'm very, very worried about these negotiations, but we'll follow them closely. Bethany Mandel can be followed on exit. Bethany Shondark. Bethany Shondark joins me every single week. Thank you, Bethany. Have a- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.